Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another episode of the Three Point Threat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Woodcox, and uh, you know if you're joining me today, I assume that means you survived the Gordon Hayward news. Um, you know, congratulations on making it through that. I know that I barely made it myself, um, but anyway, glad to have you joining today. You know, I couldn't wait until the weekend to get a podcast out after all that happened yesterday. Um, so glad to have you tuning in for my three points today that I'll be covering on the Three Point Threat. Obviously, first and foremost, I'm going to be going over my reaction to the Gordon Hayward news. Um, I'm sure that comes as little surprise to anybody. Uh, for point number two, kind of basing myself off of that, going to talk about what's next for the Utah Jazz. You know, after Gordon Hayward left, what do they do now? Where do they turn? And then for point three, I'm going to end on a positive note. want to talk about Donovan Mitchell and his performance in the first Utah Jazz Summer League game. Hopefully we end with a little bit of, of optimism for the future after I talk about that piece. Um, so that's really what the show's looking like today. So without further ado, let's jump into point one, my reaction to Gordon Hayward's departure. Point one. All right, so as you all know, obviously uh, Gordon Hayward committed yesterday to join the Boston Celtics. And, and first off, I want to say, you know, what a circus. Um, I just can't believe how everything was handled. Um, you know, I know in my... my first uh, few podcasts, I mentioned that I thought that Gordon would stay. I had been waffling back and forth quite a bit. Um, but really, early yesterday morning, um, you know, I was feeling pretty skeptical based on some things I'd read on Twitter the night before and that morning. Um, so then when the announcement came from Chris Haynes, I mean, I was upset, um, but I wasn't completely surprised. Um, but of course, the way things went after that, it, it just got so ridiculous that by the time we finally knew what Hayward was doing, I was pretty disappointed, pretty frustrated. And I mean, when you look back at the whole thing, it was really pretty obvious that Hayward had planned to write that message on Players Tribune. And I just hate how everything went down from there. I mean, there was the whole, you know, message from Woj saying that, you know, Hayward's agent said that he hadn't decided yet. They were still working things out. You know, it got to the point where they said there might not be an answer until tomorrow. And all of that was just the most blatantly obvious smokescreen that especially now looking back, it just makes me cringe. I mean, in the article that Hayward wrote, he even admitted that he wanted to be the one to tell the fans and that, you know, before he even got it finished, he had read reports of where he was going to go and he wanted to be able to write that article first. And in all honesty, does, does that matter to anybody? I mean, in my mind, what Hayward should have done is as soon as that leak came out, as soon as it was pretty much common knowledge that he was going to Boston, he should have just confirmed it right then and there. Because, I mean, at that point, we all knew that it was going to happen. Um, but the fact that we had to go through this circus of, well, maybe not, maybe he's thinking this, what's going on here? You know, right then and there, he knew, we all know that he knew at that point. He should have just admitted, you know, that he knew he was going to Boston. Um, he was working on something he wanted his fans to see, and then he could have released the, the article later. It wouldn't have made any difference. In, in fact, if he had done it that way, I would have respected it more than how he handled it because the whole, oh, he's still deciding, it was just a smokescreen, like I said. So that just made his whole decision look so much worse. Essentially, he broke Jazz fans' hearts twice. Um, I don't know I don't know how he thinks that's, that's okay or that was the best decision. Um, so it was really a tough time yesterday, as I think we all know. We all experienced it. Um, but that gets me to his actual article that he wrote. Um, you know, quite frankly, I wasn't all that impressed. Um, it was titled, Thank You, Utah. And he spent the majority of the time praising the Jazz. And, and maybe I'm bitter. Uh, you know, maybe it's something along those lines. But to be quite honest with you, um, I just feel like it didn't feel that sincere, what he was saying. And again, maybe part of that's because it, it took five hours after we already knew he was going to Boston for it to officially come out. Um, but just the whole rant that he went on praising Utah didn't quite feel genuine to me. And, you know, it's been pointed out on Twitter a couple times that he didn't mention any teammates on there except for Jeremy Evans. 
um, who obviously hasn't amounted to much, didn't play much with Hayward in, in the grand scheme of things. And I just thought really that I just thought it was really interesting, and you know maybe in some ways that's a that's a hint that had something to do with it. I mean Hayward always seemed fine on the court, but deep down I wonder how he and Rudy really got along. I know Rudy has uh, shown a lot of signs of feeling pretty betrayed lately, um, but I mean we always we always assumed that he was really good friends with Ingles. Um, you know I start to wonder well was the George Hill thing really that big of a deal? But I don't know, it just seemed really odd to me that he didn't mention any of his other teammates in that piece when they're the ones that were out there doing battle with him this whole time that he was with the Jazz. So that was interesting to me. Uh, but anyway, you know, the thing about the article that bothered me is it just seemed like, you know, he he went so long and he praised all these things about the Jazz. And even though he had told us that the, the point was to tell us why he was going to Boston, he went to so much effort to tell us all these great things about the Jazz and then really fast at the end, it was like, well, but I like Brad Stevens better, and I want to win a championship in Boston, so see ya, I'm out, see ya. And it just, it felt so odd to me. Like, everything that he said was were all these positives about the Jazz, all these positives about Utah. And I felt like we would get a similar take on, but look, this is the reason I'm going to Boston. But then it just felt so tacky at the end of it. And what I really hated is how he mentions, you know, the winning culture in Boston. I just, I just hated that, because it's, in my mind... You were part of a winning culture in Utah, a winning culture that you helped build. You know, that's just the thing. You don't just join a winning culture and expect to win. You create a winning culture. So the fact that, you know, he mentions, you know, the Red Sox and the Patriots, that has nothing to do with you, Gordon. I just I just don't understand that part of it. It really just rubbed me the wrong way that he just assumes that going to, to Boston is going to make him, make him more of a winner. And, and honestly, if he thinks it's going to be easier... Um, then I think he has another thing coming. I mean, yes, I can guarantee you the Celtics are going to have a better record than the Jazz next year. I mean, a huge part of that is, if I'm being generous, really there's four teams outside of Boston in the East. That, that's Cleveland, Washington, Toronto, and Milwaukee. Uh, heck, I'll even throw Miami in there. So five teams in the East that could give you a hard time, that could, that could challenge you. Whereas in the West... I mean, the Timberwolves got way better this offseason. The Nuggets got way better. The Thunder, who were already a playoff team, got way better. Uh, Memphis could regress a little bit, but they'll sp- still be up there. Um, I mean, even the Kings got better, um, along with all the usual culprits, you know, the Spurs, the Warriors, the Rockets. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're going to have that regular season success. Um, Gordon's almost guaranteed to be an all-star. I mean, what, there's like, what, three good players in the East now? <laughs> um but, I mean, if his real reason to join the Celtics was a championship that he so dramatically said at the end of his article, I'm sorry, but but give me a break. I mean, they're still eons away from that. And this is coming from someone who loves Gordon Hayward. You know, I, I've loved watching him in Utah, and I fully recognize how much better the Jazz would be if they'd kept him. I do think he's going to make the Celtics a much better team. I'm not taking away from that at all. But in all reality, that Celtics team is still not going to beat the Cavs. They're still not going to beat the Warriors. And I mean, yeah, I know it's a three-year contract with a player option in the fourth year. You know, maybe LeBron James leaves. Maybe the Celtics really improve and they become, you know, the next powerhouse in the East. But I don't know. I just I just don't quite see it happen. I'm going to go out on a limb, maybe a little bit. Maybe it's not, not even a limb. But I'm going to say very confidently that I don't think that Boston will win a championship during those four years that Hayward is under contract. And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people listening could say, oh, well, you're just being bitter. You're just mad that he left your team. Um, but really, I'm, I'm maybe that's part of it, but I don't want to look at it that way. I don't want you to take it as I'm only saying that because I'm bitter. In all honesty, I would cheer for Boston over Golden State or over the Cavaliers, uh, to be frank. But I just, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Hayward, even with as good as he played last year in Utah, being enough to push the needle to put the Celtics over those guys. So, you know, when I look at this, the one thing that makes it so hard 
for jazz fans is literally the jazz did everything they could to keep Hayward. And, you know, I can't imagine, you know, what he's gone through, what he went through, I guess I should say, early in his jazz career. I mean, he was booed when, when he was drafted. Um, he had a tough rookie season. It didn't take long at all before he had all these expectations thrust on him that he had to lead the team through a rebuild. There was the 25-win season. But you know what? I mean, when I look back at that, it's sort of ironic because, I mean, look at the Gatorade commercial that Gordon was just in. I mean, there he talks about that defeat is what builds us. I mean, defeat is what, is what has made you who you are, Gordon. Um, so, you know, I've seen some things surface about whether whether this Gordon Hayward situation or the Darren Williams situation is worse. Um, I, I know those are kind of apples and oranges in, in some ways, but I would argue that the Darren Williams situation um, was less l- less poorly managed and, and less impactful than this one, I guess. Because, you know, Darren Williams had already done so much for the organization. We'd gone to the playoffs so many times with him. And in a lot of ways, the team had already plateaued with Williams. Whereas with Gordon Hayward, we were just scratching our surface. I mean, he was there when we were a 25-win team, then up to a 30-win team, to a 40-win team, now to a 50-win team. We had a great shot at being a 60-win team, even though the West is looking hard. I mean, he rode this thing all the way through. He was there through all the down years. You know, we were in the second round of the playoffs this year, and just all of a sudden, he's abandoning ship for a weak conference. And I mean, sure, the Celtics have a better chance of making the NBA Finals, than the Jazz do, but I still think they have minimally better championship chances at best. Um, I think Hayward's going to find out real quick uh, just how nice it was to have Rudy Gobert around. Um, Really, there's no one on that Celtics team that's going to make things as easy for Hayward as Gobert did. And, I mean, you look at that roster, and, you know, for example, Isaiah Thomas had a phenomenal season, um, but is he really an X-factor that's going to get you past LeBron and the Warriors? I I just don't see it. And don't get me wrong, because the Jazz aren't there yet. I'm not saying that if Gordon stays in Utah, the Jazz, you know, go all the way and win a championship either. But at least they have an X-Factor kind of guy in Rudy Gobert that can really, really make it hard for other teams. That can really, really frustrate what they're trying to do. Um, send some shockwaves across the, across those teams, I guess you could say. But I just don't think Boston has anyone that really has that. Even with adding Hayward to the mix, I mean, they have a lot of good players on their team. But no one that's that's making, you know, the likes of LeBron James or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant shaking their boots. Um, the way that the Jazz could with Gobert. Um, and if Hayward was still there as well. Um, but then going back to what I said earlier about, you know, about how hard it must have been for Hayward, you know, building up in Utah um, to where he's at now. Uh, Gordon Monson of the Salt Lake Trib, he had a really good piece where he basically talked about, you know, if, if Hayward leaves, and obviously he did, uh, we don't really know him. And in that article, Monson brought up some interesting points about how, you know, at times it seemed that maybe Hayward just wasn't truly happy in Utah and that really got me thinking, and, and you know, I really believe there's some truth to that. I mean, he was always pleasant about the things he'd say about the Jazz. He kind of said the cliche things, you know, always respectful. But he never really praised them or the team or the organization to the point, you know, where we've seen Ingles do it. We've seen Gobert do it. I mean, heck, even Donovan Mitchell, who just got drafted, um, has shown a lot more praise for the organization than Hayward ever really did. And a lot of times we kind of credited that to maybe he's a little more reserved, he's a little more... Um, you know, he's, he's not as loudmouth about what he's going to say, but it's something that I really started thinking about that, you know, maybe he just wasn't as thrilled as being as Utah as we wanted to think. And one thing that I think no one's really talking about that's something that came to me as well is that we say how, you know, that the fans loved you, Hayward, you know, they adored you, they were behind you. But in a lot of ways, that, that wasn't always the case. As much as we'd like to think it was, you know, a lot of fans saw Hayward as a huge bust early on. They, they were pretty hard. They were pretty critical with him. And, and, you know, a lot of people thought it was a bad move when he was signed to a max deal before. 
And I think Gordon Hayward might remember that. You know, I'm, well, I'm sure he remembers it, but I think that might be something that comes to his mind in all this decision-making. And, you know, I don't know how much us fans really play into his decision at the end of the day, but I could see Hayward saying, you know, the fans say they love me now, but where was all this support when I was up for contract before? And, and I'm not necessarily saying that that makes his... his um, decision to go to Boston justified or, or even a good one. I just think it's it's worth bringing up. It's definitely something that I don't think is being, being talked about enough that yes, fans love him now, but did, did Hayward really get the love early on in his career when he may have needed it, um, when he may have been kind of waffling then? Um, speaking of which, you know, this kind of reminds me when he was a restricted free agent, um, it's kind of surfaced that, it surfaced that he, he was rubbed the wrong way when Utah told him to go and see what offers he could get. Um, you know, Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Trib, he mentioned that yesterday as well that, you know, maybe he was rubbed the wrong way or he was disappointed that the Jazz would kind of treat him that way. Uh, but he also mentioned how the Jazz had bent over backwards for him since then, which I think is important too. But but I guess my point is, you know, maybe Hayward has kind of been disenchanted with Utah for longer than we know. And I kind of wondered that when he signed the offer sheet in Charlotte. I mean, obviously we, we matched. Um, we wanted to keep him around. So I don't know how much truth there is to that line of thought, but it's definitely something to consider as well. Um, I mean, I guess you could say I've always just wondered how committed Hayward was to Utah. Um, tried to push it aside as he was as he was kind of going through this whole process, but obviously it's pretty clear now where his heart has been. So when, when I think about that, though, it's pretty sad to me because uh, all year the narrative has been, you know, what do we need to do to keep Hayward? What do we need to do to convince him to stay? And quite frankly, the Jazz did everything. I mean, they made the playoffs. They won a round in the playoffs. Um, they've really put this winning culture around him. They've brought in the veterans. He was featured as the star of the team. Uh, going back to something Tony Jones uh, said recently, you know, we talked about how the Rubio trade and, and signing Joe Ingles, those were kind of done at Hayward's direction. Those were done with him in mind. Um, really, I don't know what else Dennis Lindsay and the rest of the Jazz brass could have done. So I hope the Jazz fans aren't blaming this on anyone besides Hayward, because honestly, at the end of the day, it's just apparent he didn't want to play here anymore. You know, all the things he said he wanted to see, all the things he wanted done, they were all done. They were all checked off. So I don't know what else the Jazz could have done to convince him. Um, I will admit that George Hill stuff makes me wonder a little bit. Um, I know there was some speculation that he wanted him to stay, that they had developed such a good relationship. Uh, but overall, I feel like there's nothing more that the Jazz could have done. And, you know, when you think about it, us Jazz fans, you know, we were so spoiled by Stockton and Malone. Uh, you know, I know Malone left late in his career, uh, given that the Jazz window had largely shut, though I, I kind of forgive him for that. Um, but in today's NBA, it just seems more and more obvious that these guys are looking for, for more of an easy way out. Um, I know that sounds kind of harsh and judgy, but but just hear me out on it. Um, I feel like the days where players, they wanted to be heroes, they wanted to be legends on a team, I feel like those are really gone. I mean, recently Reggie Miller has talked about it with, with Paul George leaving the Pacers. You know, he's brought up his kind of statement that a king shouldn't leave his kingdom. Uh, Miller also talked about how his biggest accomplishment was putting Indy on the map. Obviously, he stayed there his whole career. Um, you look at Kevin Durant as well, who quite frankly chose a championship over being a legend. And, and I compare that and what Gordon Hayward's done now, you know, the opportunity he had to really be you know, like I said, a legend in Utah. And you look at guys like Dirk Nowitzki and Kobe Bryant, um, and I think they could very well be the last of their kind. And, you know, I, I almost hate to put Kobe in there because I disliked him so much growing up. Um, but the fact that he stayed in L.A., I, I think it's commendable. Obviously, he, he's a legend there. He always will be. And, and granted, I mean, you could say he had little reason to leave while he was in L.A. because of how successful they were. But just the fact that him, and more importantly, I want to say Dirk, because I just love his example, you know, the fact that they're willing to stay with the team through thick and thin, um, they wanted to build it up, they wanted to fight with them, um, I just think that's that's incredible, and that's something that Hayward could have had. 
Um, but from what we're seeing in the league nowadays, apparently it doesn't mean anything to anybody anymore. And I really think it's a pity. It, it eliminates a lot of the better storylines in the league. It makes it less intriguing in my mind if teams are just, if players are just looking for the, the easiest team to get them to a championship instead of really having that determination, that perseverance to stick with the team and take them all the way. I mean, if I asked you, for example, you know, whose championship makes for a better story um, and helps them build a better legacy um, by winning a championship, would you say Kevin Durant or Dirk Nowitzki? I think it's pretty obvious it's Nowitzki. I mean, he only has the one championship. Kevin Durant might get five with the Warriors. Um, or I don't know. I'm just, just spitballing there, obviously. But I just think that Nowitzki's one championship is so much more impressive because he took that team all the way. He took them to heights that they had never seen before. But like I said, it looks like that kind of legacy just isn't important to players anymore, and it's really too bad. So the last thing I'll say about Hayward, I know I've gone for a long time. I could say so much more. Um, I'm lucky that I've I've gotten my composure a little bit now because I was pretty dang heated last night. Um, But the last thing I'll say about Hayward is that I think this decision is going to haunt him. I think somewhere down the road he's going to regret it. And maybe that'll be soon because he and Isaiah Thomas struggle to coexist. Maybe there's chemistry issues. Or maybe they're fine together. Maybe they play really well together. And it's later down the road when he realizes how much he damaged the franchise um, you know, that was just about to start making waves across the league. I don't know exactly when, but I do think it's going to happen. Um, again, I can see the appeal of Boston. Um, you know, I, th- I think, though, if you take away conferences, if you take away how the Eastern Conference is easier, and really Boston and Utah are very, very similar. They're very on par with one another. So I think that his chances of winning a championship really only get a tiny bit better, and that's largely because he's going to essentially get a first-round bye in the East, whereas in the West, you know, every round is a dogfight. So maybe that changes in a couple of years if the Cavs or the Warriors or, or both start to dwindle a little bit, but it's still going to take some time. And, I mean, you look at Boston – and their future is very much dependent on the internal improvement of their younger guys. But, you know, ironically enough, it's the same exact way with Utah. So really, if you want to tell me which team is better now, which team's going to be better in two to three years once the Cavs dwindle, really it's, it's still a flip of the coin. It all depends on which guys can develop better. And quite frankly, the Jazz have a pretty good track record of developing guys. I wouldn't count them out. I mean, maybe Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to be, you know, the answer. They're going to be great for the Celtics. But if Hayward were to stay in Utah, I think there's an argument that the Jazz, you know, with their their coach, with the guys they have, with their crappy front office, I think there's an argument that they're better in two to three years than Boston's going to be now with Hayward. I mean, I could be completely wrong on that. Honestly, we'll never know since Hayward did leave and it's going to change everything the Jazz have to do. But there's certainly an argument there. I will say I cannot wait for the Jazz Celtics games next year. (laughs) Obviously, I think there's going to be a lot of chips and a lot of shoulders, especially on that Rudy Gobert. And it's going to be pretty exciting. But with that, with looking ahead, let's move on to point number two where I talk about just that. What is next now for the Utah Jazz? Point two. Okay, so with Gordon Hayward officially gone, obviously the big question that looms large for the Utah Jazz and their fans is, is what's next? What do we do now? And honestly, I wish I had a simple, a simple answer, but really that's the million-dollar question. Um, it's pretty hard to be optimistic when your best player and kind of the presumed face of your franchise just hits the road like this. Um, the way I see it, now the Jazz can kind of go one of two ways. They can look to either make further splashes you know, this offseason to keep their heads above the water in the West, or they can kind of bide their time with what they have, you know, try to improve from within, see what pieces are really going to pan out this next year as, as they plan for the future, and then be ready to strike you know, once Golden stays a little more, more vulnerable, maybe you know, if Clay Thompson leaves or something like that. 
Um, because, you know, as, as of right now, it's still going to be hard for any team to get past, you know, Golden State or even Cleveland. So I think the Jazz do have that option. Remember, they look to kind of stand pat a little bit and see what they need to do a couple of years from now to improve. You know, I think there's there's pros and cons to both of those, whether they make a splash now or whether they, whether they kind of sit tight. Um, either way, I think the Jazz are still going to be competitive. Um, obviously, I don't think they'll be one of the top teams in the West anymore, as I hoped they would. Um, you know, especially if they stand pat, it's going to make it's going to be hard just to make the playoffs. But the fact of the matter is they, they can't waste the years of Rudy Gobert. As much as it sucks to say it, the brutal truth is, you know, with Gordon Hayward gone, now the next four years they have to just see – they kind of just have to plan on what they're going to do to keep Gobert around once he hits free agency. That That's – you know, that's honestly kind of a side tangent here real fast. That's one of the hardest things about being the Jazz is that – you're constantly you're constantly trying to find a way to keep your free agents and obviously it's it's not easy it's it's hard to be successful in that I, I saw a tweet you know yesterday this is something along the lines that the small market teams are like the d league for the bigger market teams and it's it's sad that it's become that it's sad that there's not you know players that want to stick with these teams and make them into something special um but anyway i getting back to the point here you know, the Jazz have to focus on making sure Gobert is happy for now. And so with that, they have to be a little bit careful. They can't go a total rebuild. But, you know, I think they still have enough pieces that eat, whether they stand pat or not, I think that they'll be competitive. Um, granted, it's going to take a lot of improvement. I mean, Exum needs to become a lottery pick type of player. Hood has to become a sharpshooter, not just, a, you know, he plays good three games You know, out of six. He's got to play good five games out of six or more. We need him to really step up. Um, I mean, Gobert still has to improve too. We need him to be a monster. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, who was just drafted, we need him to live up to potential. Uh, Favors and Burks, if they're still with the team, you know, they need to get right as well. I know that having all that happens is a long shot, but there's still a lot of reasons for optimism and all is not lost. Um, there are some guys the Jazz, you know, are, or I guess maybe I should say were pursuing in free agency, um, you know, kind of as a, as a consolation prize for Gordon Hayward. Um, I think they will try to add someone significant rather than just sit tight for 2017-18. I mean, obviously they have the money. Like I said, they got to remain, remain competitive, you know, for Rudy Gobert. Um, I think more than likely they're going to look for a pretty friendly contract, kind of like Rubio's, you know, that maybe it, it expires in, in two years or something like that so they can adjust if they need to. Um, but then again, that, that could also be easier said than done. Um, I mean, right after the Hayward news came out, uh, there was reports that the Jazz met with Otto Porter. Obviously, the Nets already sent a max offer sheet. The Wizards are likely to match, so that's you know that's pretty much not going to happen. We kind of knew that going into it. Um, Gallinari from the Nuggets was kind of someone that had been on the Jazz's radar. It was announced last night too that he agreed to a deal with the Clippers and is part of a three-team move. I guess we should say. Um, I've also heard that Rudy Gay is the target. You know, I, I love Rudy Gay's scoring. Uh, I think this one, you know, depending on how he recovers from the injury, it could be a big positive. You know, he's been he's been accused of being someone who doesn't pass the ball well. Um, he's really a ball stopper. Maybe with um, with Ricky Rubio as the point guard, you could make Rudy Gay be something special. I don't know. I, I'm kind of intrigued by that. Who knows if it's really going to happen? I'd love if the Jazz went for James Johnson. Um, obviously, he's more of a power forward, but you know, you could do some kind of crazy bigger lineups where he's the small forward. He got yeah favors the power forward and Gobert at the center. Uh, but honestly, I don't know how realistic either of those are. I just I just can't really see who the Jazz are going to bring in right now. I have a feeling we're going to see some news pop soon of what their contingency plan is. Um, but I, I just I just can't really come up with a good prediction. I mean, no one's going to replace Hayward. That's what makes it so hard. If I had to make a guess, I'd say they will add somebody. It's just hard to know exactly who at this point. So unfortunately, you know, based on what we know right now, it's hard to answer that question of what's next for the Jazz. 
Uh, but knowing what we do is part of point number two. I want to address a question that relates to this. Uh, this question comes from a fan who messaged me on Twitter, uh, Clint Wilbur. He wanted me to discuss, you know, why fans shouldn't give up on the Jazz in 2017-18. And, you know, I, I agree. I think that's a great uh, topic for discussion because right now there's kind of a cloud hanging overhead. It looks pretty bleak, you know, what the future's like. So why should we tune in next year? Let, let me give you guys a few things to, to consider. Um, first and foremost, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, the Cavs and Warriors aren't going anywhere. So even if Hayward had stayed, you know, our chances at the championship would have been pretty bleak next year. And I think we still would have wanted to turn in, tune in regardless. So, you know, even with Hayward staying, our best shot would have been to develop him and the other guys around him for a few more years. And then we'd really be poised to break out. So with Hayward leaving, I mean, does it change our plan? Does it change our trajectory? I mean, absolutely. Um, but our plan still has to be develop our guys, keep them going strong, be competitive. And who knows, maybe some of them step up. Uh, maybe we hit a home run in, in, in the trade market or in free agency in the coming years. And who knows, maybe Hayward's departure ends up opening up a new opportunity. Uh, it, it's really hard to say. But, you know, as far as the Jazz getting a championship next year, you know, even though Hayward left or if he would have stayed either way, it probably doesn't change that outlook. So I'd say don't let his departure just totally sour you on the Jazz because they still have to stick with that plan of, of rebuilding guys, of developing guys to be able to take that next step. So I'd say the one reason I want to tune is, is to see that rebuild process go, go to work. And maybe I shouldn't say rebuild, but more of that, you know, that kind of tweaking process there that we're going to have to do and that developing process. Um, that's a little bit negative, though. Let, let's look at some positives. I mean, we started the year without Gordon Hayward. That's something we need to remember. I know it wasn't that many games, but with the thumb injury, he did miss out. And I mean, we looked decent at the beginning of the year. It was a small sample size. Guys were adjusting to one another, but, you know, we had that big victory over the Spurs without Hayward. And yeah, I mean, Hill was on the floor then. And obviously, he's gone too. And that's something, you know, I think Jazz fans shouldn't underestimate. I mean, I've seen a lot of things that, that you know, fans are not that sad about Hill leaving because we have Rubio or whatever. And, and I know the way that Hill left was kind of bad because he didn't, he didn't end up playing the last playoff games. But Hill did make the team better. Um, you know, quite frankly, I think he messed up not taking the extension last year um, based on what he ended up getting with the Sacramento Kings. But that's a totally different topic. Anyway, getting back to the point here, I guess I want to say that, you know, even with Hayward and Hill gone, we had a lot of talent on the team. When Hayward didn't play early in the year, you know, we, we showed a lot of that. Um, and I think a lot of that talent we have on the team is still very much untapped. I mean, we're going to get to see the Rudy Gobert show next year. And with him, we're going to have a point guard in Ricky Rubio that's going to get him all kinds of great looks. He's going to set him up brilliantly, I think. So I think there's going to be some good things there. And really, when you think about it, you know, if, if Hayward had left even after the 2015-16 season, I mean, obviously that year he was a big piece. He had some big moments. But if he'd even left that year, um, you know, it wouldn't have hurt this much, in all honesty. When you look at it really in one season and in one offseason, Gordon Hayward improved so much. He became a completely different player, and now it really stings that he's gone. But who's to say that in, in one offseason that Hood or Exum or Favors can't do something like that? I mean, who's to say they can't take the jump? So that's another reason I'm tuning into the Jazz this next year is because I want to see which guys are going to take that jump, which guys are going to step up, who's going to be the next Gordon Hayward. I mean, we assume that Gobert will be the new face of the franchise, but I think some other guys or one guy or more guys are really going to step up, and I want to see that. Um, another reason, I mean, you look at this team um, this past year, and they were slept on all year. I mean, before the year started, you know, a lot of people were saying they would make the playoffs, but there were a lot that were saying, no, nah, they're still not going to be that good. Um, people kind of counted them out all year. Some people said, you know, the, that once they made the playoffs, that all oh, the Clippers are going to stop these guys. It's not even going to be close. I mean, so on and so forth. There's a lot of doubters, and really the Jazz delivered, um, you know, despite all these people betting against them. Now you look at that, and the guy that was supposedly their leader, the one that, you know, was, was going to lead them through all that and lead them in the future, he just leaves them. 
Well, I think that's going to make the remaining guys on the roster have, you know, massive chips on their shoulders. I mean, they're even more counted out now. They're even greater underdogs. Everyone's saying, you know, they're going to be the 11th or the 12th seed in the West now. It's going to be terrible. And I just can't wait to see what they do with everybody betting against them, especially Rudy Gobert. I mean, he is going to have a chip of epic proportions on his shoulder. So excited to see that. You know, I want them to prove that Gordon Hayward's departure isn't going to rattle or defeat them like everybody thinks. Um, sure, it's going to be hard. Do I think they're going to have as good of a season next year as they had this past year? No, I don't. But I'm still excited to see what they do, what they do to try to defy the odds. With everybody you know, saying they're not going to do anything, I want to see what they do. I want them to make Gordon Hayward realize you know, what a good thing he left behind. So that's another reason I'll be tuning in next year. Um, last of all, uh, honestly, I'm tuning in to watch Donovan Mitchell. Um, I know it's really early in his young career. He's going to have a ways to go. He's not going to look as good every game in the NBA as he looked in his first game of the summer league, but I'm still really excited to see him. So that's going to bring me to a third point. I want to end on an optimistic note. Let's talk a little bit about Donovan Mitchell. Point three. All right, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely am done talking about the Jerry Gordon Hayward news. Let's instead move on and chat a little bit uh, for point three about, about uh, Donovan Mitchell and how well he played in his first summer league game. But, you know, I guess even before that, let's back up just a little bit. And how timely is it? That, you know, we draft this kid, Donovan Mitchell, who is just so excited to be here. And I kind of, you know, alluded to it in my last show, how it's ironic that he was so excited to be here. Whereas the guy we traded for him, Trey Lyles, when he was drafted, just looked disappointed, uh, looked indifferent. And, you know, based on the tweet that Lyles sent out today that was kind of mocking the Jazz for losing Hayward. If you guys saw it, I think it's pretty clear that Lyles didn't really want to be here. Um, to that, I say good riddance. You know, I'm, I'm pretty glad he's off the team with that attitude. But, I mean, how ironic is it that we get, we get Mitchell... You know, right now, uh, who's so excited and so passionate to be here, right at the same time where Gordon Hayward clearly isn't, where Gordon Hayward leaves. It's kind of like we're ushering out Gordon Hayward, who is disillusioned with the Jazz, and we're bringing in uh, Donovan Mitchell, who is just ecstatic to be here. And I mean, I love it. You know, I feel like Jazz fans really need to see that right now, need to hear how excited he is, especially at a time when it feels like the world's kind of caving in on us. And, you know, I know that um, Donovan Mitchell plays a different position than Hayward, obviously. But I really think that with Hayward leaving, uh, Mitchell's going to get a much bigger opportunity now. As I said earlier, uh, the Jazz really have to be aiming for, you know, two years down the road, three years down the road, instead of looking at the present as much. And getting Mitchell to be a star in the future is really going to have to be a part of that. I can't wait to see what he does this year. You know, I think on and off the court, he seems like a total stud. I just love hearing his praise for organization, and I can't wait to see what he'll become. Um, Obviously, it's a little early to get too ahead of ourselves. He's got a long way to go before he is this. But I really could see Donovan Mitchell, if everything pans out well, based on his attitude and the skills we've seen him display so far, I could see him one day becoming the face of the franchise that we had hoped Gordon Hayward would be. Um, You know, he looked great in his summer league debut, had the 23 points, he shot the ball extremely well, had such a nice stroke. On top of that, he played excellent defense. Um, Some people have kind of compared how he looked um, in that summer league game to how Damian Lillard looked in summer league. Um, Of course, it's only one game. I want to keep reiterating that. I'm not meaning to get ahead of myself here. Um, and, and it would honestly be disrespectful to, to compare Lillard and Mitchell this early in, in Mitchell's career. But he's really showing flashes, flashes of potential. I think there's great things in store for Mitchell. And just everything he's shown so far is great. If he can end up being like Lillard, um, plus he's a guy that actually plays defense, which would be an improvement, I think that would be phenomenal. So it, it's awesome to see that. Obviously, the one downside about his summer league debut was he did get into foul trouble. But, I mean, he's young. Uh, that's to be expected. And I just really like what we have in Mitchell, both on and off the court. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself over one summer league game, but I'm hoping we can see him, you know, kind of repeat what we saw um, on Monday 
see him have a couple more good games like that in Utah and really carry that over to Vegas as well because quite honestly we need that right now we need someone to give us hope for the future uh, with Gordon Hayward gone it's kind of like we know what we have in other guys we hope they all improve but Donovan Mitchell is kind of like this new question mark he's kind of the new unknown and really it'd be great if we have someone to keep us excited give us something to look forward to like I said we got to kind of look now for two to three years down the road where are we going to be that doesn't mean we're rebuilding entirely um, but we got to kind of start to look at we got to look at how we're going to develop this year and Mitchell has a big part to do with that so Hoping Mitchell plays well in the rest of Summer League and hope that it can be really our future. So that's it for the show, guys. Uh, hang in there, Jazz fans. I know we're all disappointed about the Gordon Hayward news. I, I know I, I'm really bummed, really hurt about it, but we're going to get through this. You know, I trust Dennis Lindsay. I trust Quinn Snyder. I, I trust the Jazz's coaching staff, the front office. Um, it, it's a shame what happened yesterday, but there's still plenty to be excited about. Make sure you guys are staying tuned to purpleandblues.com for all the latest news on the Jazz. I'm sure there's exciting things ahead in free agency. If you have any questions you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please reach out to me on Twitter um, or you can uh, comment on one of my posts on Purple and Blues. would be happy to, to really field your questions and talk to you there. So anyway, thanks again for listening and we'll be in touch next week.